Hi there people, and welcome to another edition of Rethinking Lost. This week, we're looking at Lost's most important mythology episodes. everybody and welcome to episode 13 of Rethinking Lost. In this episode we're going to take a look at an article from Associated Content and talk about Lost's most important mythology episodes. And this article we'll have the link for in the show notes. It was written by Robert Daughtry on May 5th, 2008. So it is missing season 5, which obviously was very Lost mythology heavy. But uh, what we'll do is we'll take a look at the 10 episodes that Mr. Daughtry identified. And then maybe we'll talk about which episodes from season five could be inserted in the list. And, you know, have any of those 10 episodes maybe lost their significance with things we now know. Um, I'm here with Elton, as always. And Elton, what, what do you think about this list here? The 10 most important mythology episodes... As of May 2008. Yeah, it's looking very strong, strong episodes here, I must admit. There's awesome ones here as well. Uh, what do we have as number 10 here? Number 10 is the walkabout episode. That's uh, the episode that first revealed that John Locke was paralyzed before he landed on the island. It positioned Locke as a man of destiny and established the island's special healing powers. Now this episode, it ends on a big bombshell, doesn't it? With... Uh, Locke actually in the wheelchair throughout the whole episode we don't actually know that he's in a wheelchair and up until that point we haven't seen him in a wheelchair we only know that there was a a wheelchair on the beach that was used to carry bits of bobs around so hmm. yeah that's that's a pretty significant episode especially early in Lost as we're finding out how magical it's one of the first magical things we learn about the island is that it seems to have these healing powers and that's also when we see uh, uh, Christian, right, on the island? I think so, yeah. I think it yeah. is. So that's where we're getting you know, the sense that something is not right about that. Something's not natural about the island. So I, I would agree that that's a very important episode, mythology-wise. And especially now that we've seen John Locke become a pretty pivotal figure. Uh, he, he also came face-to-face with the smoke monster in that episode as well. It's the one where... We don't actually see the smoke monster, but we see, well, hear the noise, and we see from the, the monster's perspe- uh, perception of coming over the top of Locke and looking down on top of him, mm-hmm. and Locke looking all scared and humble about it. So, yeah, there's there's lots of bones to pick out from this one. I think it's the one where um, lots of people actually saw this episode and were either hooked onto the program, or it just totally lost them. They they didn't really want to know about healing powers and stuff like that. But <laughs> I I know a lot of people that have actually watched this one and went, yeah, that's the one that really got us hooked onto it. Yeah. Well, no, I I think that definitely belongs on the list, and I think it actually where it might have been number ten at the time of the list, it's probably moved up quite a bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Now that now that we know more. Uh, so number nine is the constant, which is a big fan favorite. 
Yeah, this has got to be one of my favourites as well. This is the uh, Desmond episode, isn't it? Where he's... It seems like he's jumping in between his own body. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And he's jumping back to 1996, oh, I think it is. Yes, his when... awareness is, is moving back and forth between present day and past. Yeah. Now, did you know what was going on when this first started happening? Uh, I can't, honestly, I can't really remember. I remember it being quite freaky and realising, you know, he's jumping in between these two bodies now. Is he, is it just his conscious doing that, or is his whole body doing that? What's going on? It, it, oh, right. In that sense, yeah I, yeah, I didn't know if... I didn't know if what he was doing in the past was what he had originally done in the past, or if his body had kind of... had transported to there. Yeah. This is the uh, the one that really set the, okay, right, we're going to go down the time travel path. Wait, it could be interdimensional. We we don't know yet, but it seemed to be saying right, we we are going to be going down the time travel path. We're just going to ease you in very gently. But you know, this is a huge episode on it. If you don't like this, tough. We're still going to do it. Now, isn't this an episode that opens with uh, kind of a misdirection where it's Desmond and Penny together in the apartment? The alarm clock goes off. And it's... Uh, Are they decorating the room? Or decorating the apartment? I can't remember. And you hear a, a, a pinger go off. I think it's in the microwave. And it sounds like the button. Right. But uh, I know there was definitely that sense of misdirection. And I did think for a moment, like, that. wow, they're not going to say that was a dream of some sort. Or is it? Or It was tough, because you knew it was, the series wasn't ending. So yeah. It was suggesting that it might have all been a dream or that maybe we were shifting something else but it just it had more of a what's going on moment than a oh my god is that what's happening yeah. kind of thing for me yeah. and then pretty quickly they made it clear that it was relative present day Desmond who was experiencing some of these things that he was aware of the island Yeah. even though we were going back and forth in time and no one else seemed to be but I, you know, but first reaction, I thought that this maybe was overvalued on the list because Desmond's time traveling is not the same kind of time traveling we see later on in Lost. It's it's not so much the mythology of the show, but then there's other elements to it also where... I'm not sure know, if it even is time travel itself. How can you time travel without actually moving your body to a, a different time? I'm not sure how that one works. Yeah, it's a, it's an awareness as opposed to something physical. Yeah. Like flipping channels more than actually going someplace. Yeah, yeah. With the time travel in this program, th- their bodies uh, physically moved into a different time, didn't it? And his body didn't. It stayed in... It seemed like there was two Desmonds at exactly the same time, or in different lines, and he was... his conscious was flipping in between the two mm-hmm. not too sure whether it is going to actually be classed as time travel or not so definitely not in the sense that Jack and, and Hurley and all time traveled no no exactly but there from a uh, mythology point of view we do get other things from his experiences and back we get to see who Faraday is why he we learn a lot of things about him that are significant later uh, we learn a lot about Widmore's efforts to get back to the island. Yeah. And this is where we 
we actually start to see uh, the first stages of, of the Oceanics being rescued. That's right, yeah, because uh, Desmond and Saeed are taken onto the uh, the freighter, mm-hmm. just parked mm-hmm. offside the island. And we also get to see uh, Charles Winmore trying to buy the diary from the Black Rock. And it's, uh, I think they actually state that it's from the Hanso family. And it's only ever been read by two or three people. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Now, I'm not sure why he would need that, though, either. I mean, the the method for finding the island is not at all relevant to the diary. I mean, the method for finding the island is the pendulum. Yeah. You know, inside the church. And, and even if... Whatever Widmore's relationship is with uh, Hawking... He has to have the resources to be able to create a similar kind of thing. He's been, we now know he's been supporting Faraday financially. Yeah. He's aware of his research. He's aware of his fate in a lot of ways, I think. He found the island with the boat. And I, I guess originally we're, we're intended to believe it was largely from this journal and such, but uh, that just doesn't make sense now. I mean, there's, there's another method for finding the island, one that's been in place since the 70s, really. Yeah. Maybe Widmore knew where the island would be at a specific time and then sent Desmond on this round-the-world trip, hoping that he'll he'll line up with that and then end up landing onto the island. See, I think the purchase of the diary, because a lot of people like Widmore and he's been cast as the villain... And at that point, everyone was definitely thinking villain. It wasn't that kind of gray area. Yeah. I think people assume that that was bought to find the island. But I, I think that that was Widmore still being an other at heart and protecting the island. You, know, you, you buy the book to hide the evidence of the island. Ah, I see. Because it would have been logged in the book that the uh, the boat actually crashed on that island, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. You'd hope to think so. So who brought that book back? Has that travelled back in time, or has that been sent through someone running away, ran into a donkey wheel and turned it? That's a good question. Was someone trying to get it off the island to someone? Ooh, I like that. Now, a little tangent. Do we know who put all the dead bodies and, and the fake 815 in the ocean? Yeah, that was Widmore. Are we sure it was Widmore, or were we led to believe it was Widmore? No, I think Widmore actually admits it. He admits it to uh, Faraday. Okay. So then the question that I think still isn't answered, but we all assume it was done for personal gain of some sort, because he was going to go and and, uh, exterminate the survivors. But I, I would say there's still the possibility that that Widmore is not the bad guy. He might not be good, but he might not be any worse than Benjamin Linus. And just as Benjamin Linus does some ridiculous things to protect the island, yeah, that may have been Widmore using his resources to prevent people from stumbling on the island. Well, to stop the search. Sticking a, a plane at the bottom of the ocean with a load of dead corpses is uh, his way of protecting the island. So they naturally, they come across this plane, they don't search anymore. Yes, especially if he knows that the plane went to the island. How would he know that the plane went to the island? 
Has anything happened since that gives us an indication of that he, that he knows the fate? Like we like Hawking. Hawking knows that Faraday's going to die. Yeah. Widmore saw that group. Well, who was in that group? He met. Um, he met Jack Faraday. He met. He did meet Jack. Did he meet Jack? Yes, he did meet Jack, and he he knew. Well, Richard Albert was there as well. So if Jack went through the whole spiel about, you know, we're not party or or Sawyer didn't they? They found Sawyer and Juliet. I mean, if at some point he's heard the story, yeah, he must he have known know. the story that's that's going to happen anyway. So, yeah, maybe he's just laid that down there just to protect the island. Right. I mean, it, people with ridiculous resources like that have a different set of of ethics and morals. When you're dealing on that large scale, there's a greater good that overrides. <laughs> what most people would say is is right or wrong yeah he's done some bad things we're told but what really has Woodmore done that's been evil who has he hurt who has he killed that Wait. you couldn't argue in some way might have deserved it from a twisted point of view yeah we haven't seen anything out of the ordinary along the lines of Benjamin Linus doing this thing, same sort of stuff. It just seems that they're, they're doing the same things, protecting the island, but from their own point of view. Mm-hmm. That he's ostracized from the others because he had a relationship with a non-other. Is that correct? I think that was just an excuse. I think that was an excuse from Benjamin Linus just to get him off the island. So then again, it's really other than maybe a failure of leadership. I, it, he didn't. He didn't break a rule. He didn't do something that uh, should, in our heads, have us think he's anything other than a single-minded person. No. So all, everything you've been in this episode. I mean, he doesn't like Desmond. We all like Desmond. So he's a mean person. Yeah. But it, 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 stay away from my daughter. Stay away from my daughter. This might all turn out to be because he knows what's coming. He knows that Desmond being with Penny leads to something horrible. To her death, maybe. Possibly. Right. right? Or something even more bizarre. So I, I think there's a definite uh, spin that's been painted on on Widmore. And this yeah. episode, The Constant, definitely portrays that. We see... Even in this episode, there are moments where you can step and look at it and say, you know, Widmore actually was kind of soft. He did give Desmond... Penny's address. Yes, he did, yeah. No, he, he, yeah, he did give Penny's address. Or did he give him Hawkins' address? He did both. He gave, in, in uh, season five, he, he tells him where to find Hawking. And in season uh, four, he tells Desmond where to find Penny. That's and he right, says, yeah. He's not going to want to talk to you, but here's the thing. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm jumping ahead of myself there. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't. So there's two cases there where, I mean, had he really been this evil person, I mean, he could have sabotaged. Now, and I would almost say he might reluctantly be allowing things to happen that in his heart he, he thinks are the wrong thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like Woodmore. And uh, I, I am part of that group that's kind of suckered into thinking that Ben's just a immature good guy and that Widmore is the bad guys and all. But when you think about it, 
it's been hammered at us just said over and over and over again and and that's if anything a reason to think it's not necessarily the truth yeah you don't like Widmore then I'm oh I think he's great I think it's awesome I like him as a character but not as a person I mean he's I can believe he's the bad guy I can believe he's he's an enemy oh yeah yeah but I think he's great from a character point of view I like the guy who's actually playing him Alan Dale Mm -hmm. I like all the other stuff that he's been in like I I just found out he was in 24 as well I didn't I've never seen 24 I think I've seen half one season so (laughs) I don't really touch that well he has that kind of presence so I can understand that too yeah yeah but I think mythology wise that episode the time travel part probably overstated because we haven't seen that type of time travel occur for anybody else other than um, when Mikowski died and such yeah time travel has turned out to be a different type of phenomenon so only in the, the, the mythological significance of it would be in what happened as a result of that yeah. and the things we learned during the flashes so I would I would almost downplay the mythological significance of that episode if that makes sense that's fine Right, so should we move on to yeah. number eight on the list? Raised by another. Well, this is this is the Claire and Aaron story, correct? Is this the one where we find out what happened to Claire? This is where we learn about the psychic. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. He mustn't be raised by another. That's one of the psychic's lines. The, the, the psychic that Claire goes to see in Australia, near Ayers Rock. Mm-hmm. And then he backs away and he doesn't really want to have anything to do with her but he keeps phoning up saying that she must raise the child herself yeah i i think this stands as potentially being a majorly significant episode but given the way so many things are getting chopped from the the plot tree yeah i mean it's looking it's looking very much like aaron could go the way of walt and that we're we're all still clinging to some significance from from this episode, I mean, there was the whole fact that Echo met the psychic, and yeah, all these reasons to think a lot was going to happen, and and Aaron was basically a non-factor. Yeah. See, I'm so, they they can't do it to both really. I'm sure there'll be an upcry if 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 Walk doesn't come back. I think a lot of people are set on okay, fine, he's not going to come back, but surely they got to do something with Aaron. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. But, yeah, they, they have to do something with him. Because he's been in season five. You've seen him toddling around. Maybe he'll come back as a a future Aaron. Aaron. Well, I'm just afraid that the significance of that raise don't let Aaron be raised by another kind of thing could be reduced to just a foretelling of the failure of life off-island for the Oceanic Six. And that... Right that the sequence of events that led to that, Claire's disappearance, um, Kate taking the baby, that that's, that's a, the wrong path to go down. And that was, the psychic's vision was, that's not the future that should happen. That's the other that he's talking about then, it's Kate. Yeah, I, I think, I, I could see that. I don't want it to be that, but I could see it being reduced to that okay. and the producers kind of saying well we showed that when Aaron's not with Claire bad things happen so yeah 
life is better when Aaron's with Claire. And if that's, that would be disappointing if that was all they reduced it to, but I could see them viewing that as it went somewhere. So well, yeah, if, if nothing's done with Aaron, then it's just null and void. There's, right. It, it, like all the Walt kidnapping episodes. And such. Yeah, <laughs> which is a shame. All, all the Walt with um, the water dripping off of him and talking backwards and shushing right. Shannon. All that goes out the window. Just It doesn't mean that much to the grand scale of things. Right, and, and just to sidetrack a little bit, there's an example of they had a chance to give some significance. They could have made Desmond's traveling or any of the other uh, freakiness that we've seen have some consistency. If we were seeing um, Christian Shepard wet and drippy, if we saw... If we saw um, the leader of Dharma when he was at the cabin you know talking to Locke if he was wet and drippy if he talked back you know if there was some consistency to these visions that we were having then you could start to say well at least it did something but when yeah, Desmond's flipping is one way Walt's travel's another the on-island manifestations take a different approach I mean there's they become so isolated that it's some of them are losing the well, another episode, number seven, was The Numbers, which we actually had been looking at stuff before the show, and, and I had stumbled across a 2005 spoiler, or 2006 spoiler, where Damon and Carlton specifically said that they didn't expect to ever really get into what the numbers meant, that the numbers were satisfactorily uh, explained in their view with the stuff that had gone on. Do you think they've been explained now, or do you think there's still more to come from these guys? They might be adding more for the fans, but it's... I just don't think there's time left to go into too much more with it. I think these numbers may have seen their day now. You, they might crop up every now and again in Season 6. You, you tend to have a number dropped in here, there, or everywhere, don't you? And... I think everyone's I th- set on the fact that Hurley read out the numbers. Wait, was it Hurley's night, uh, voice or? That's what it Sarah sounded like was... when when Ajira's plane crashed. But no, I think so, it... uh, when when um, Danielle's boat landed on the island, I thought it was Faraday's voice. But when Ajira three one six crashed, I didn't think that was Hurley at all. I thought it was just. Uh, a computerized sort of voice. It didn't sound like Hurley to me at all. Hmm. I thought it sounded like Hurley. But either way, I, whether it was Faraday, Hurley, or or whatever it was, um, producing those different recordings, they were in Dharma. We never saw anyone at the station. It was never focused on as being some aspect of the research they were doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, assuming that they're not going forward in 1970 whatever anymore that'll either be present day or a different time period or something for season six yeah it seems like we're not going to get that story that and it might be the alternate reality games that really gave that that extra emphasis that first lost experience game where they called it the valenzetti equation and gave it all i mean had they chosen to focus on something else maybe that would be the thing we're all talking about now but yeah I think the writers ended up 
killing it off where they were uh, in season five where they're punching the numbers into the hatch mm-hmm. and Hurley's reading off the numbers before they punch him in I think mm-hmm. that that just seals it that's okay it stops here this is where the numbers came from I, th- I think I've said previously I think that's where the numbers actually came from so I, I don't know Right, well, I think if they're not going to give the reason that they're putting those onto the hatch, other than you make it seem like it's a serial number or something, mm. then it's there's no reason for it. No, no, I, th- I think that might be the end of them. Yeah. See you later, guys. We love you. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number six is Through the Looking Glass. Charlie Bites the Bullet. Yeah. Oh, poor old Charlie. We finally make contact off island. Ah, this is the one where we get the twist of um, everyone being flash forward. Well, sorry, we have the flash forward of Kate and Jack saying that we have to go back. Then immortal words that ring through everyone's heads. Everyone right. can remember Jack saying that, and it got so boring. But right, unfortunately, that's the episode also where a lot of people were exposed to the plot line before it happened. That was the big spoiler gate, where it was all leaked ahead of time. Yeah, I missed that. Woohoo! I didn't get spoiled at all. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, it had. To, I did see, it, unfortunately, so it did change things for me. In terms of it being part of the mythology, I mean, as far as the Lost, the mythology of the TV show Lost among real life. I mean, this is the turning point where it switched to flash forwards and flashbacks, and the death of Charlie is epic. And mm-hmm. we had a lot of important things happen in the way the story was told, as far as uh, the way the island works and the history of the island. It might be blasphemous, but it was almost disappointing for me how this this mysterious island and and this thing that was. Um, seemingly so magical all of a sudden now it was oh there's a jamming signal yeah just gotta go blow it up and it took a very technological turn the the mysteries of the island started to have pseudoscientific reasons behind them yeah and and that was a little disappointing for me personally because it went from from fantasy to sci-fi and not in a very wow kind of way that matched the other things that that it happened and then I think the writers have been kind of inconsistent because we went to oh there's a technological explanation for why these things can't happen and do happen to people blinking off of a Jira 316 with no explanation yeah <laughs> you know then we're back to just taking it all on faith so I, I don't know I guess there's mythology value in the sense that it explains some things there's mythology value in that it changed the direction and, and set the stage for certain things yeah, I was, I was disappointed with the actual jamming story, but I do like to look back on these other uh, season one and season two episodes, and you just think when Saeed's tugging on the uh, the cable when he first finds the cable, or when Hurley first finds the cable, you just have to think, go the other way and go into the sea, and you'll find this other hatch. We'll take a boat out there, and these two women are still down there. It's just nice to think what's going on when you're watching other uh, other episodes, and just to think that they they've been down there all that time, just jamming this thing, uh, jamming any frequencies or signals coming off the island. Yeah. See, I thought that that was 
almost like a doorway. At first, I thought the sub went in, came up, and then it teleported to like that was like the gateway to somewhere else. Right. But it it didn't really have that kind of value. It was just uh, it was just two women sitting there with guns, making sure the jammer stayed on. And yeah. I was disappointed to see uh, Penny's face flash up on the screen. Not for the fact that it's Penny's face on the screen, more for the fact that she was sat in front of her computer ready for the camera to turn on. Mm-hmm. And it just, oh, no, that wouldn't really happen. You, you'd hear her scrabble around, oh, spill her tea and run over yeah. and fall over on her chair. And go, oh, I'm here. You know, no one ever catches a conference call in time, do they? No. And what did you think about the... Uh... The code being the the song. Oh, uh, what song was it? Was it a Beach Boys? Beach song? Boys, yeah. Now Good had vibrations. it been had it been Charlie's song, that would have added more of a sense of fate or something. But you know, it, oh, you all, everybody. Yeah, even if it was from another song, something more famous, and it was like, oh wait, that that's why Charlie wrote you all, everybody, because. It's in his. He's fated to be connected to the song, and yeah, I mean that would have would have done more. It, it all just kind of was. I tell you what would have been. T- sorry, I I tell you what would have been great if he'd actually been punching the numbers in, and it started playing you all everybody like he he does it faster and he goes and you see his face just go, what? And he plays it faster and then he starts humming his own song and he. You can see him. Where the hell is this coming from? Why is my song on here? Right. And that yeah, would have been sort of better than like that. than having a Beach Boys and oh, a musician programmed it. Right. And it could have even been subtle. It could have been just the tone that's made as you enter. Yeah. It could have just you know not like a playing a keyboard, but so much as yeah. When, it... when you uh, punch keys on on a, a phone, like a dial tone phone. Right. And that would have come up with. You all, everybody. That would have been awesome. How great would it have been if it turned out to be the code he had was not complete, and but because it's his song, he's able to figure out what the last <laughs> last couple digits are going to be. Yeah, that would have been wicked. See that? That's a connection. That to me says, okay, Charlie had to do it. It had to be Charlie doing. It. Couldn't have been any other way. It's all meant to be. That that means something. But the way it all just was was just kind of thrown together and, and yeah. in that sense the mythology of the story definitely depends on things that happen there but it wasn't as well crafted as other elements of the island yeah. mythology have been I think we've written a better um, look through the looking glass he types the the keypad in it turns out to be you all everybody he has to finish that and then yeah. when it comes on Penny's falling over going ah wait 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 for me and you see a cup of coffee fly across the room and you see her, her computer move a little bit well and she gets up off the table ah right I'm here what do you want that would be miles better yeah well when they do a reboot in 15 years and re-release it <laughs> we'll get writing credits right um, uh, moving on to number 5 the man behind the curtain Right. So yeah, the man behind the curtain is the episode where we learn Ben's backstory. Yeah. We and we learn that his his father's a pain in the ass. We also learn that he uh, murders his father, doesn't he? Through the uh, kills him in the Dharma van. Right. 
Now, here's what I'm going to argue. This at the time probably seemed monumentally important. I would say that this episode could be now be replaced by whatever happened happened. Okay, I'll go along with that. Because we've seen enough in season five, maybe not that particular episode, but one of the season five episodes in that from that we can see Ben's mistreated and unappreciated by his father. Yeah. We see that he's connected to the others. Mm-hmm. And we see Richard is... I mean, we see enough in season five that the mythological elements that come from, from this particular episode, Richard Albert might be ageless, Ben betrayed the others, uh, betrayed Dharma. He was yeah. part of that. I mean, all those things we've seen in other places. So I'm not saying that episode's meaningless, but the mythological significance of the episode can be replaced from things we get other pla- other spots. Yeah, it's, it's all been gone over again and again. Yeah, and sometimes in more detail or with more relevance. So, mm-hmm. I would downgrade that one, personally. Is this the one where he also uh, Ben spoke to the empty chair? Yes, that's where Ben goes to the cabin, so yes, you're right. Ooh. So there, are, uh, that might be the one part of this episode that turns out to be most significant if it turns out that that was really the guy in the dark shirt instead of Jacob. Yeah. This is the episode that really creeps me out. If I'm watching it on my own downstairs, turn the light on just in case or pull my duvet up just a little bit more so no one can get underneath it. Uh-huh. It's, it's just the, um, the creepy stuff. I think Lost is great when it's creepy. Uh-huh. When it's got that creepy aspect of ghosts and whispers and stuff like that. It's just ugh, scary, but I love it. Well, yeah, it, it definitely... In context, at the time it was shown, it was tremendously significant. I I think the, the one part that uh, lingers is what you're saying with the empty chair, and, and now, now that has a whole added significance of was that really Jacob? Was someone else in the cabin? Was anybody in the cabin? Yeah. What, what happened there. Um, all the other elements that were such big reveals at the time, we've been treated to more in-depth looks at. So I, I feel like you could almost replace those. But, but yeah. yeah, that is a real significant part. Well, it, it could have been a turning point where uh, Locke realized that Ben couldn't actually hear the person in the chair. Um, mm-hmm. Since then, we found out that Ben couldn't see anyone in the chair either. That was twisted too, because then what does Ben do? He goes and marches Locke down to the mass grave and tries to kill Locke. Yeah. The, hey, there's there's another weird part when we're talking about times when Ben or when Locke may have already been dead and come back prior to uh, the death in the air, you know, the rebirth on the airplane. Right, so maybe he he could have taken one of his nine lives when he got shot in the pit. Right, everyone says he lost his kidney and that's why he's able to survive, but yeah. maybe... Who's the next person he sees, though? Or the first person when he wakes up he sees? It's Walt standing over him saying, we've yeah. got work to do. Mm-hmm. Is it the real Walt? Is it... Yeah, who knows? That's... Yeah. So I, right, I don't, for for them reasons, I don't think it can actually be replaced with anything. I think that's a cracking episode. That's true. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that happen beyond that 
the emphasis is different now, but yeah, you're right. It's it has a renewed significance, I think. Yeah. You might be able to say that about the next one on the list, which is uh, orientation, which is where we are introduced to the Dharma Initiative with a little video. Yeah. The movie. This is where uh, Locke and Jack sit down and watch the orientation movie after Desmond has scarpered. Yeah. It's probably not replaceable. It's, it's a major episode. Definitely changed Lost. Added a whole lot at the time to to the mythology of Lost. Yeah. Um, but only just the taste. I mean, we had a whole season last season that that went in much greater depth. The origin of the Hatch, the, the activities of the Dharma Initiative. Mm-hmm. But it, it does deserve to be on the list. Yeah, it does add a whole new world to Lost, though, doesn't it? Watching that orientation and wondering who the guy is and why isn't he moving his arm and why is it showing a, a guy in a big beard and who are the DeGroots? Because it mentions the DeGroots in there, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Very briefly, and the, I like the way the, the video is actually spliced together badly and jumps around and it's like uh, getting people asking questions online and through other podcasts as well just why is it spliced what are we missing what's going on there and what what aren't we seeing mm-hmm. well it, it oh god it, it just opens up another world of okay we're seeing this but we're not seeing the full picture so there's plenty more to find out later on and I, you know I want to know that now right and it was nicely done in a way that you were left wondering were the others Dharma were they enemies of dharma was it a mix you know and, and it was something that really for a long time remained a lingering question yeah uh, all right number three on the list would be one of them that's where we first met ben or henry gale mm-hmm. we we, uh, we uh, knew him as Hen- henry gale at that time didn't we we he said his name was henry gale he got caught in daniel russo's net yeah, I think it was. Is, do they actually take him back to the uh, the hatch in that episode, though? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I can't remember who's with Danielle when they they find him, though. Uh, Saeed. Saeed actually uh, is the one who captures Henry Gale. Oh, is it? I think so. Where he frees him up, he free, he finds him in the net and he lets her down, lets him down. I know that he tortured him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Well, from a mythology point of view, obviously Ben is... Ben has become the others. Yeah. That's right, yeah. It was just exploding the others into a whole new world, wasn't it? A lot of people were wondering whether this Henry Gale was really Henry Gale, or was he the leader? Why is he the leader? Why has he been caught? Maybe he's mm-hmm. been sent away from the others to infiltrate, or maybe not. Well, he's become really the only other that matters anymore now. Yeah, no one really matters. Maybe... Um, Richard Alpert, maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Richard's the only other one. The rest of the group has now become nameless. It's, it's turned from a group where they actually introduced a handful of characters and kind of got you recognizing relationships between them. Yeah. So now it's... It's Juliet, Richard, Ben, Hawking, Widmore. Yeah. Well, we've lost uh, Tom, Mr. Friendly. Mm-hmm. Where did he get his name, Mr. Friendly, from? 
I, I thought that was just kind of a, a nickname from the fans, but maybe it comes from Sawyer. Yeah, it could possibly be, yeah. But yeah, that's definitely a significant episode in the mythology. Well, it's significant from the point of Saeed's caught him and tortured him. But then later in season five, we also see Saeed shoot a young Ben Linus. And then I think everyone went back straight back to this episode to see whether Ben Linus in season two recognised Saeed as he walked into the, the hatch and said, Hi, my name is Saeed Jarrah and I'm a torturer. And everyone mm. was looking for these little quirky little um, acting skills that Emerson's got just to see whether, you know, does he recognise him? Does he? Mm-hmm. So we got two left. Uh, number two is The Shape of Things to Come. Ben gets sent through time, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He ends up in Tunisia with a, a parka jacket with Halliwax written on it. Mm-hmm. And he's frozen. And then he quickly dismisses two horsemen. So we know that he's got fighting skills as well. And he can speak their language as well. And that's that's nice to see. But we're all, all wondering, why is he freezing cold? Why is he wearing a, a parka jacket? And where does he come from? Why is he in the middle of a desert? I think a lot of things happen in that episode. I and mean, that's where we're, we're really getting a stronger message of time travel. And, and that there's some quirky things going on with freighter to island travel back and forth. But... Mm. I'd have to really reconsider that episode to see how much of a difference it makes in the mythology now. I mean, yes, Ben's connections with the Oceanic Six off-island are kind of first coming into play there. And and at that point, we hadn't seen him turn the wheel yet. No. So we weren't even sure why he was there. But... I think now maybe this has a little less, especially now that the Oceanic Six are back on the island, you have to almost question the significance of that whole time off-island. Yeah. Did anything happen there that really made a difference? Does um does Kimi kill uh, Alex in this episode as well? It, I think it's the one where Ben goes and meets uh, Charles Widmore in his bedroom, knocks on his door and says, Hello, Charles. And he also, stuff that Charles says, Charles actually turns around and says, I know what you are, boy. Mm -hmm. Which references the age gap between them. When Ben Linus joined the others, was he he a tiny little boy? Or we're not, still haven't seen the actual period when he actually joined the others, but he, Widmore would know that Linus has been taken to the temple to be healed. Mm -hmm. So he, and him saying, I know what you are, does that suggest something towards that? I think now, like right now, knowing what we know, that's a reference to the fact that Ben doesn't ever see Jacob. He knows that Ben's a faker. He is the man behind the curtain. There is no... Oh, okay. There is no Jacob in Ben's management of the others. See, I took it as... When he said, I know what you are, boy, it was more, it's been suggested that, well, it's been said by Richard Alpert that he's lost his innocence mm-hmm. when he goes to the temple. I was seeing it along them lines that he knows what he is. He knows that he's lost his innocence. I don't know. So do you think, given that we see Ben interact with the monster and kind of summon it and and this exchange between Ben and Widmore, do you think this has a lot of significance mythologically or do you think that... It maybe 
maybe now it has less. I I think it had more at the time through the thought of I think we were always waiting for the point where Widmore and Linus actually meet and they're in the same room and they're going to recognise each other and that mm-hmm. was the very first point where we actually saw that happen we knew that they didn't like each other they were fighting against each other we didn't we, we knew it was over the island but we hadn't had a face to face coming together and it was awesome just to see them two stare each other down and throw little little bits of uh, information out that we were just grabbed onto. So what do you think about the fact that Ben never was able to kill Penny? Where Widmore, Widmore is so committed to the cause, so believes in, I mean, again, we all think it's, it's that he's self-servant, but maybe his sense of the greater good, no price is too great. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's your own son, you know, Hawking, her own son is going to get killed and that's the way it's meant to be. You just have to let it go. Um, but Ben, who who isn't really in communication with Jacob, who who isn't really a leader in the same way they are, and was never really one of the others, he was kind of... Well, he was, he was brought that, into the others, wasn't he? After pleading for so long, Richard Alpert saying, you just have to wait, you just have to wait. Yeah. Um, very impatiently. You know, I'll, He said, I'll do anything. You know, he hated his father, this one thing. He would kill his father for the others, but he couldn't kill Penny Widmore. So what, what does that say? Is I think that's made- more, more to do with the fact that Penny had a kid there. I think if the, the kid hadn't, if the kid hadn't reared its uh, head or you'd heard um, Charlie say anything, then I think he would have gone along and killed Penny quite happily. Then did Ben really lose his innocence? I mean, you would think Ben would be the machine. Yeah. Ben would be the guy we see coldly talking to Saeed and talking to John Locke and all. But it, there's a piece of that that innocent boy still there. That I think that, uh, I think we had an email from Anna about this saying that um, innocence doesn't mean that he's totally cold and numb inside I think it's more he's more clinical in his thoughts maybe towards the island mm. so it doesn't mean that he's a, a cold hearted killer that he'll just kill it at a whim I think it's more he'll think things through but they're more towards the island That that's what he's looking after and protecting I don't know I mean, I, I can see that interpretation I don't know I, I just don't see that I don't see Ben fitting the interpretation I have I see innocence an innocent person is still more affected by death and, and such where someone who's been there seen it someone someone who goes to spends three years in Iraq in the war is going to come back and and feel less be less affected by things that will will hurt and make someone ache that yeah that is I mean you're right they're not feeling less they're not emotionless but that then seems so dulled. fragile at times yeah right and na- and naive if anything you know it's a different meaning of innocent but yeah I don't know but yeah I, I agree about that with the episode 
So at the time, there was one that was number one on the list. It's the one where we met Desmond, really, right? Desmond's passed in the hatch. How 815 went down, showed the button, made a difference. Learned that Desmond and Penny were a couple. And uh, Henry Henry Gale was really Ben. Yeah. <laughs> a whole lot happened there. This is at the end of season two, am I right? Live mm-hmm. together, die alone. Yeah. So we get all of uh, Desmond's three years in the hatch. Uh, this is where the um, hatch implodes as well, isn't it? Yes. And Michael's run off. He's already shot Anna Lucia. He's He's gone off and... Yeah, Michael and Walt leave the island. Yeah, that's it. They get a tugboat, don't they? Yeah. In exchange for Sawyer, Kate, Jack and Hurley. Hurley is later let loose to run back to the beach. So why is this uh, the biggest mythology one then? I think because it touches on so many things. You know, Desmond and Penny have been set up to be the real love story of Lost, not Jack and Kate or Sawyer and Kate or Juliet or anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where we found out Ben was who he really was. This is where we we first really found out you can get off the island. Yeah, they give him the coordinates mm-hmm. to uh, you don't drive a boat, do you? Yeah, I think you do. Yeah, you drive a boat. Yeah, to drive the boat straight off the island, sail the boat even. Let's do this that. This is the first time we hear of Charles Woodmore. I mean, we didn't really know much about him at the time, but this is where he first appears. We find out E15 was brought down by Desmond with the button. He went off following Kelvin and ended up accidentally killing him by accident. Mm-hmm. Then he had to rush back to do the button pretty quickly. The, all the alarms were going off and the ground was shaking. This was at the same point where uh, the ground was shaking and Juliet was having a book club as well. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that great um, YouTube video? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the really? synchronisation? Yeah. Where they stick all three or four episodes together and you can see absolutely everything happening all at the same time. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's a, it's a significant episode. I think a lot of the things that happen there have gone, have gone their route you know, Walt and Michael done the hatch, not a factor anymore. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the history of the island and and the story of how we got here and all, and and even a little bit of who's what and and why they matter, it, it, that's important. I think a lot of it is de-emphasized just in the direction the show has gone since. I mean, they they don't talk about the hatch, <laughs> other than. You know, it's a landmark. Yeah. I mean, it's that was the big running joke with Lost for a long time, was that nobody on the island ever talked to each other about the things that happened. No, that's right. You know, hatch exploded. Somehow these guys survived. Nobody said, hey, how'd you survive it? No. <laughs> it was, are you okay? Here, have some yeah. water. And yeah. that was it. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit woozy, but that's it. Nobody went and investigated it. Nobody explored it. Nobody... Uh, Nobody questioned the implosion. It was no. just no, it was... no questions on you know, why has this happened? Why did the sky turn purple? No, nope. but 
it's a it's a pretty good list. And like, like I said, I think we could probably take a look at uh, um, the season five episodes and probably swap a few in. Um, we should probably, you know, maybe pull the plug on this episode for today. Maybe we can invite our listeners to to give us their thoughts on which season five episodes they think are most significant in the mythology. Mm. It's definitely tough to pick one or two as opposed to saying season five. There's lots of bits in every single episode, though, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when we see the back of the statue, and everyone was like, oh, there's the statue. Yeah. And then the, it just threw up more questions on what was the face of the statue. Yeah. Well, I'm leaning toward, if I had to uh, to pick one, it would be Dead is Dead. Okay. That's That's where we go back and we see Alex being taken by Ben. And Ben goes in to confront the smoke monster and be judged. And yep. I mean, if I had to pick just one, that's my one. But we can, uh, well, other than the incident, which obviously is, is going to prove to be a major one. But yeah, well, we still don't know the the fallout from the incident yet, do yeah. we? So I'll go with that. I also like the bit where um, uh, Locke walks out the the trees. I think it was a. Uh, Benjamin Linus, he was sitting down and chatting to Sun, and he, I think she was asking a couple of questions about Locke, mm-hmm. and he he actually turned around and said, I don't know, uh, dead is dead. Yep. And he's just saying to the viewer, you know, dead is actually dead. And yet we all believed he was back to life. Yeah. Very few people sat there and said, definitively, that's not John Locke. Yeah. Sometimes we should just read the, the name of the the title, the title of the episode, and take that as gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes we read it, and go "Dead is dead," and oh, okay, but that really doesn't mean anything. No, actually, it does mean something. That's what they're telling you. It's right there in your face. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess uh, this was probably a fairly long episode, but you know, hopefully, it was good for everybody. Holds you for a while. That's all right. Send they us don't your mind. feedback. No. Send us your feedback and let us know which season five episodes you think are most vital to the lost mythology and mm-hmm. if there's others you think that Mr. Daughtry left out of his list you know definitely let us know that too so hopefully you enjoyed the episode and, and we'll be back in another week yeah oh sit, send all your emails to rethinkinglost at gmail.com or you can either twitter us at uh, SHC1970 or Ultimate Manus and We'll either respond or stick them on the end of one of these podcasts. Yeah. So thanks very much, and I will see you in another week. Yeah. See you later, guys. Bye. This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.